What are you two talking about? Oh, nothing. Just the end of the world. Welcome everybody to Who Pods the Watchmen, your companion podcast for the HBO miniseries that's going on right now. Um, I'm your host, Grant Davis. Along with me is my co-host, Clay LaPointe. And we even got a third person on mic, our producer extraordinaire, producer Mike. Hey, how's it going? Producer Mike on mic. On mic and running the cam, so I'll be very distracted tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to direct all my questions at you. Just see how no. you can uh, post no. everything, doing all the imagery and That's all that whatnot. That's a terrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Clay. Yes, sir. We're back for week two, episode two. This one is, uh, let me pull it up here. The title is Martial Feats of Comanche Horsemanship. Horse? Horse? Horsemanship. Borscht. It's a little bit of a tongue twister. Yeah. You did. Now, um, this is directed by Nicole Cassell, who directed the first episode as well. Written by Nick Hughes and Damon Lindelof. Nick Hughes, the son of Carlton Hughes from Fresh uh, Prince. Yeah, <laughs> Fresh. Yeah, that's what I meant. No, not that Carlton. Um, from Lost. That oh, was okay. his collaborator on Lost, and now he's working with his son. Holy smokes! Uh huh. Isn't that wild? It's kind of. You know, Vince Carter is playing with a lot of children of former teammates that he used to play with. Is that um, Aaron Carter's brother from Nick the, like, Carter? Backst- You're Backstreet thinking about Boys? Nick Carter? Oh, yeah, okay. exactly. One of them. Yeah. I heard one of them got in some trouble. Oh, we're going to get... Nope, I'm not going there. <laughs> if we go off topic, we get the squids. Yeah. Don't want to deal Let's with Let's avoid squids. that for at least five minutes. Hey, it's nice to see you, and we're here to talk about episode... Two. Two. <laughs> episode two. Yeah. So what'd you do in the week hiatus? We were gone for a week. I've been camping for the last uh, four days, and now I'm finally back in civilization. Well, welcome back. How was yeah, camping? It was nice. Uh, unexpected five and a half inches of snow. Here in Texas, which doesn't happen often. Damn. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It made for tough nights, rough nights, but it was nice in the morning to have a little campfire going, you know. But uh, the best part about—I don't know if you know this—but if you are camping in sub-freezing temperatures, you know, I don't know how you are, but like as a self, you know, I consider myself somewhat of a respectable and respected, maybe thirty-six-year-old mm-hmm. man. You're respected. Thank you. Yeah, and you know, I, I can't. <laughs> I don't think a night's over unless I've like maybe polished off a good half sleeve of Oreos. Wow. I don't know how you are. I mean, camping or otherwise, right? I, I mean, it's either going to be a big Newtons or Oreos for me. That's a martial feat of, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> of obesity. I but the thing is, when you're camping and it's 25 degrees and you have your Oreos and milk, hmm. you don't even need to put the milk in a fridge. No. You just roll over and go to sleep. You have to just like thaw it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you put the gallon in between your legs, warm it up for a little bit. Yeah. It's a weird way to, to drink your milk. But anyway. It's gross. Let's move along. Uh, yeah. Well, you had a week to think about the last episode. You have any other um, new insights, new impressions now that we've digested for a week? You know how much I liked it. Right. I mean, I'll just say because I think I talked to you a lot about what I'm watching on Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, and The Bunch. And after watching this show, you just realize how terrible it is to watch uh, Sean William Scott in another movie with The Rock. <laughs> I think you know what I'm talking about. Is the 2003 classic. Yeah. The Rundown. The Rundown. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I tried to watch that this morning for about 30 minutes once I got back into town to kind of get me ready again for being back in society. And it was uh, it was not a welcome introduction. 
How's the mezcal? What are we drinking? Yeah, mezcal? Yeah. That's strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought we needed something for this episode because it got a little crazy. It did get crazy. Yeah. And I, I was thinking about like, it's been a week mm-hmm. since the last episode and a lot of shows are now on this binge model. Mm-hmm. And it makes me just kind of feel like it's nice to have a show where you can sit and digest it for a week. You can think about all the different scenes that played out. Think about the layers. I did a few videos. Yeah, you did. During the week. Congratulations. While you were gone camping. They look great. Thanks. Uh, I was trying to model this off of, I don't know, like new rock stars or one of the other videos. I do all these Easter eggs and whatnot. And I decided to do a video talking about um, the Will character from this episode, yeah. played by Louis Gossett Jr. Where there's a will, there's a way. And theorizing about what his backstory might be, which everyone is welcome to go check out those videos. Um, the other one I did was on Don Johnson's character, Chief Judd Crawford. Nice. And I know that last week I, I did a lot of theorizing about how he could potentially be Night Owl. But there was also a little discussion of if there might be something a little bit more nefarious going on with him. Mm-hmm. And the more I thought about that and the more you realize that was the 100 percent right. Uh, yeah, that yeah. that maybe there was an actual justification. And we we found out in this episode that it seems to be the latter. <laughs> it seems to be like uh, maybe he wasn't on the level. Yeah. I mean, absence does make the heart grow fonder. And I'm glad you realize there are your ways. Uh, and I was correct. My apologies. Yeah. I'm, I'm not too big of a man that I can't apologize. Oh, when I'm yeah. wrong. You're a sweetheart. Yeah, Although we really still, interesting. And we we don't, still don't know. We don't actually know. No. I mean, it is near Halloween. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you think this is just a trick? <laughs> a trick or just a probably not the best idea for a costume. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> we. I'm going to stop there, but we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. There are good people on both sides. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, so what did, what was the feedback like and where can, can, can people still find these videos on YouTube or I mean, I know we were pulling videos or doing something. Yeah, I, I actually ended up putting it on another channel um, per suggestion from producer Mike. Uh, you suggested that we throw the videos onto a whole nother channel because it might be a little bit cleaner for organization and help the algorithm as far as like being able to find the files. They're all that type of file. Um, th- those type of videos are going to be located one spot our other videos in the other spot so you've got jpegs and one tiffs in the other <laughs> tiffs yep <laughs> did he say tips tiffs okay tiffs oh, right. yeah do we know are, is that a thing I, I don't know if people still use tiffs as an image file oh okay i i mean maybe for like super large images we use it like an e-discovery oh yeah in the in the, in the boring legal profession i i can see that yeah so uh first impressions what'd you think hot takes yeah do a hot take Hot takes! Hot take! I was really impressed by most of this episode. I thought that it leaned into the weird in a really good way, and I found that really engrossing. I I was compelled by a lot of the, the mystery of what was going on with Lewis's, Lewis Gossett Jr.'s character, Will, and I ended up getting a little bit bored and antsy at one point when Sister Knight is over... At Jane's house during the uh, memorial thing. Yeah. And she goes to lay down. I'm like, come on. We have that dude over there. What are they doing with the story? And then all of a sudden she puts on those night owl goggles. I was like, fuck yeah, I'm back in. Yeah. They did it. Yeah, it was good pacing. I mean, just when I thought they might be losing me, they bring me right back in. I'm just, I, I'm so taken with this show. It, it yeah. weaves just in all the right ways. It, it drops in all the sprinkles of weird that I want. And it addresses all these uh all these issues in a very mature way while 
really densely packing in all the all the Easter eggs, all the references to the Watchmen, and doing a very appropriate homage. Absolutely. What yeah. do you think? You know, I mean, I wasn't really that surprised. I didn't think it was a zany episode. I don't think it was surprising in that sense. It kind of built really well off what it did in the first episode. So we see the foundation, the groundwork, and now it's building on that. And so I wasn't really surprised per se. I mean, we knew that, okay, someone goes after a police officer, especially the chief of police, then there's going to be retribution for that and the, and the violence and the anger is going to get amped up, right? And so I think we continually see, and also we know from the Watchmen, hey, nice pour, by the way. Thanks. Jeez. <laughs> we don't have to call that out. You've been doing that long? <laughs> I do a beer podcast. Yeah, right. Uh, so, you know, yeah. You know, I don't know. It just didn't, it didn't really surprise me. I thought it was really good. But I think when, you know, off camera, we were kind of talking, you kind of said, oh, this is a zany one. Or what about that episode? And I kind of thought, yeah, I thought it kind of like played its role. You know, I mean, it didn't really do anything to me. It, it did kind of have that. I wonder, and I want to ask you this. This is interesting. I was thinking about this on the way here. What was the first show where it's like, oh, you want answers? We'll give you an answer, but it's going to create three more questions. I mean, Lost did it for sure. Yeah. But if we're working back before that, it, can you think of another show that was like, you know, before Lost? I mean, did I love did 2004? I did I love Lucy do that? Uh, <laughs> you, you, I don't think so. You don't remember those episodes of Friends when you're like, what is where did the turkey originate that it landed on Joey's head? Is we his ex-wife a lesbian or not? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think we found out right away. Yeah, yeah you're right. But I mean, still, you want to you want confirmation. Yeah. Yeah. We got the off topic squids. <laughs> so, yeah, that's not a surprise. We got to jump back on topic. Uh, folks, this episode, like I said, was called Martial Feats of Comanche Horsemanship. And I want to start off there because that's in reference to the painting, which is a painting by George Catlin that was painted in 1834, hanging in the Smithsonian right now. And that was the painting that's hanging in Chief Judd's house as as uh, Angela walks down the stairs to sneak out the robe out of the front door. She walks by that painting and then it just hella lingers on it. And it's like, this is the title, this right here. Um, but there's a really interesting quote from the painter, George Catlin, uh, about why he painted that. And I thought I want, I want to read that for you. He says, amongst their feats of writing, there is one that has astonished me more than anything of the kind I've ever seen or expect to see in my life. A stratagem of war learned and practiced by every young man in the tribe by which he is able to drop his body upon the side of a horse at the instance he is passing, effectually screened from his enemy's weapons as he lays in a horizontal position behind the body of his horse, with his heel hanging over the horse's back, by which he has the power of throwing himself up again and changing to the other side of the horse if necessary. In this wonderful condition, he will hang whilst his horse is at fullest speed, carrying him with his bow and shield, and also his long lance of 14 feet in length, all or either of which he will wield upon his enemy as he passes, rising and throwing his arrows over the horse's back with equal ease and equal success under the horse's neck. Interesting. Right. And that font was really small. I'm proud of you. <laughs> I have good vision. Yeah. You, do. I, you don't. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, moving on. <laughs> put, put a squid on that. Yeah. yeah, no, interesting. I mean, we're definitely looking at people effortlessly hiding themselves. Yeah. Right. While they're also being, uh, you know, aggressive and on the offensive. I mean, is that what you got from that? Yeah. Is this is this a literature one on one? I mean, I, I take from it that that, you know, people knowing how to shield themselves yeah. in different ways and switch sides, the duality of it. I mean, I think there's there's something to the idea of Judge Judd Crawford being revealed to us as potentially a member 
of the 7th Cavalry, he at least had some KKK robes in his closet. And yet he was also working on the side of the police. So what what is going on there? What's the larger backstory of this guy? Is he able to shield himself switching from one side to the other and play this role um, for everyone where, you know, it, it, uh, when is a lie not a lie? Yeah, play? right. When you're acting. When you're acting. That's what Ozymandias says to his robot theater slaves or <laughs> whatever the fuck's going on there. On a second birthday. And... And yeah, um, it, it feels in a way like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting. We still don't know, you know, speaking of getting an answer and it leading to a question, we still don't know why that was there, what purpose it serves and what he does with it. You know, I mean, look, best case scenario, he keeps that there to remember maybe his family's dark past. Right. Right. And so he's actually still fighting for the side of justice and just uses that to remind him when he's putting on his, I mean, that's like a huge tie collection or socks, whatever it was, right? <laughs> it's pretty wild. Um Worst case scenario, you're right. He is playing both sides and we don't know. And I think Will has something to say about that if he can get enough of his pills to remember what's going on. Man, poor Will. He's now a liability with his his forgetfulness. Yeah. Because you're, you're the key to all this. Yeah, yeah. Do some crossword puzzles, Will. <laughs> Strengthen those brain muscles. Yeah. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump in. Let's talk about the very opening scene. It's I want to talk about the title sequence. Yeah. Because just like when we used to talk about every issue of the comic, I love talking about the cover. I love talking about the title sequence. And the title sequence here was, oh, yeah, and and a little heads up for you guys. We're jumping into talking about the show itself. We're going to hit some spoilers. So uh, spoilers here. Um, we're going to be talking about that. And if you guys are listening to this podcast, we want to let you know that we do a video podcast. And you guys can go ahead and check subscribe to us on YouTube. And you can watch the videos along with us when we do a live stream at 10 p.m. every night right after the episode airs. Central. 10 p.m. Central It's, time. it's not all about you. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of people that aren't in the Central Standard Time Zone. I'm I'm a podcaster. Yeah. It is all about me. Yeah, yeah, right. right. <laughs> this is one of the most arrogant professions. Listen to me and my thoughts on this. Anyway, let's jump back to uh, the title sequence. Yeah. Uh, when we used to talk about the comics, I would love talking about the cover images. And similarly, I love what they're doing with the title sequences, especially since it seems custom built to each of the episodes. This is something that we've seen other shows kind of play around with a bit, and it's it's coming a little bit more into the norm. With the first episode, we had the flicker of the video, the old-timey 1921 video, and that's where we see the Watchmen title. And here we have the typewriter typing it out before we flashed into all the women typing on the typewriters. I like it. Yeah. It was really cool. I, I think when you see creative energy being put even into the title, you know that creative energy is being put into every little iteration of this show. Well, and also we know that here he wants to focus on racial injustice and racial tension, right? And that, and I think he knows, like we all should, that that has to come from somewhere. And right. it wasn't created today and it's not going to be gone tomorrow. That this stuff has a long history. And so he revisits that. I mean, obviously, 1921 in Tulsa for episode one. And now episode two, it had to be World War One, like, you know, a few years before that. So pretty wild. And I think just really kind of to remind you, oh, yeah, that people are people went through things and they have family histories and, you know, they grew up hearing stories and it's going to influence how they behave and how they act. So really cool. Right. It, it was um, it was also interesting because I think there were some Internet sleuths who had figured out already from screenshots last week about that um, watch over this boy paper that yeah. the other side of that was the German propaganda that was trying to oh 
entice uh, black American soldiers to be like, hey, look at the injustice. Why are you fighting for them to sow dissension? So in order to do that, did they like hold a candle up to their iPad? Like behind it so they could see through it. <laughs> That's how they did it. Yeah. yeah, yeah they yeah. rubbed some lemon juice all over their computer screen. Exactly. And the magic thing appeared. Yeah, it's wild, huh? Wow. <laughs> You're a regular hardy boy. Yeah. Um, no, so uh, we also see that when he calls in the Fraulein to help him uh, do the dictation on the the keyboard, the typewriter. Is that what it's called? Typewriter? Yeah. yeah. Typewriter. Uh, he calls her Fraulein Mueller. And I thought that was interesting. Right away, my ears perked up because I was like, huh. Miller, German, there was a character named Hooded Justice in the original Watchmen comic who was one of the very first superheroes of the Watchmen era. 1938, I want to say, is when he made his debut. And the um, idea was that a lot of the theory went that it was this guy named Rolf Mueller. I think a lot of that theory was posited by uh, the first Night Owl. In his book, Under the Hood, um, he was one of the original Minutemen. Yeah. So it was uh, Hooded Justice, but Hooded Justice never took off his yeah. his mask, so they never knew his true identity. And then in the book, he says he thinks it's this guy Rolf Muller, and then it was in that he was a German guy. We we hear the name Muller, and then we also see later in the TV show within the show, mm-hmm. uh, American Hero Story, that the the dead body uh, was of Rolf Muller, right? Who um. The narrator's like, I use this corpse of this Rolf Mueller guy to throw them off the scent. Yeah. But I'm one of the the first superheroes. So they're already in that show as well, casting doubt on the identity of it being Rolf Mueller, while at the same time kind of drawing into the past of of the original Watchmen and tying it into this story here. Yeah. Definitely a treat for people who've read the comics and are into it. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was kind of cool. Totally. But then again, I'm I'm I imagine that might be a little bit too much for like a lot of the casual viewer. Like, eh, I don't care. I doubt the casual viewers are watching this. <laughs> so <laughs> you I think I, this is only yeah. for the, the, the zealots? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ratings are really high. And it's like 1.3 million. Really? Yeah. Our, our podcast. Yes, for our podcast, for right. whopodsthewatchman.com. No, it was like, it's, it attracted more viewers than, uh, what are the other HBO shows? Righteous Gemstones. Right. Uh, Succession. Succession. Yeah. I think they have a lot of other shows right now that are a little bit even more niche than this. I I would say that superhero shows no longer are niche. They are kind of mainstream popcorn fare at this point. So you don't say we've taken over. Yeah. Us nerds. Yeah. You're a nerd. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, So when we move from there, we see that those letters are being dropped over um, his 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 uh, his dad's marching field. And his dad takes that letter back home with him. Yeah. Um, when do you think, what year was that? Like, what was the German War? When you say German War, you mean World War One? World War One. That was like 1919 or so, right? We're looking at the late teens, right? Yeah, just a few years before. Okay, so he must have just kind of wrapped up his duty or maybe it was on leave? Like, was the German War it was done. It, it, it was done by then, oh, okay. by 21, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I thought, once again, you're right. It's a really neat tie-in between the past and what's going on now um, and tying in the how those racial issues have just always been present and have <laughs> still have not been really addressed. There's been no reckoning. Yeah, and it's interesting because this is kind of, you know, watching the show, I don't know about for you, but for me, I have to think, 
you're already thinking like with family trees. I don't know if you've ever read like Marquez or anything like that with 100 Years of Solitude, how he actually has the family tree on the front page. And when you're reading it, you're just like going back and forth so many times to kind of remember which person they're talking about. And after a while, like 200 pages in, you just rip it out. And I know a lot of people who do that reading that book because it gets not confusing, but it's just easier to keep track. And here I'm I'm already doing that at least because obviously we're thinking about the Watchmen in the 80s. We're thinking about this time period in like late 19 teens to, you know, 1921 in Tulsa. We're thinking about right now, 2019. And then there's, a, and then we have the Minutemen, right? Which is like 1940s, 50s. Mm-hmm. So there's just a ton. And then we have the, the other Watchmen in like the 60s, 70s. So we just have a ton of different time periods to juggle right now. And maybe the show doesn't, I think the show does touch on most of that. And then you have the comic book, which does even more. So it's tough for me to, I mean, there's just so much material and he does a really good job of weaving in and out effortlessly. So that I think if it works for the casual viewer and it works for the zealots, you well, know? Yeah, but it is interesting that he's jumped a couple times. They've, I always say he, like it's only Damon Lindelof, but it's its all of them. Um, they've jumped a couple times between different time periods, even in this episode here in the approximate modern day. Because mm-hmm. it seems like they went from 2019, our present day, to 2016 for the yeah. the white knight is that what it was called yeah precisely the the attack that came from the seventh cavalry the crystal knocked the crystal knocked essentially yeah. where they but in, in this case they're going after the police mm-hmm. the the militia the seventh cavalry are and they're busting in the doors and and attacking them um it, you see the ticking clock going right toward midnight and midnight striking is always an ominous thing from watchmen it's the whole idea of the clock ticking toward midnight because that spells doom. That's the doomsday clock. Uh, and then similarly here, it, it strikes midnight and that's when the door kicks open and they start taking their shots at Angela and Cal. Yeah, we have some questions there. Yeah. I mean, I think, that, well, for me, at least the biggest question is why is it she dead? They had her what dead to rights. There? What happened there? Who saved her? Who um, was under the hood? I was thinking hubby with a frying pan. You think hubby? Well, see, yeah, it, it all kind of depends on what we see later right but right now we're just left to speculate and i I feel like it could have been that the person under the hood was actually her captain yeah and if it was judd they're watching her and he goes no i'm gonna use her to my advantage for my my larger master plan yeah sure if the if the whole judd being a member of the seventh cavalry is all a red herring then maybe it's hubby with a frying pan yeah Exactly. Uh, we we don't know exactly what it's going to be. Yeah. But that was a huge mystery. It was. Hey, and can I actually jump back really quickly to the timing? I have a small, what you say, quibble? Gripe? Quibble? I have a, well, it's, it's just a question. I don't know. I could be wrong. Okay. She goes and fi- she finds her captain, police chief, whatever, hanging from the tree. At what time would you say? I'd say that's around like 11 or 12. 11 or 12 p.m.? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. She AM, then- I guess grabs the guy, Will, mm. takes him back. Let's say they get back and she kind of gives him the coffee at around 1, 1.30. Mm-hmm. Okay. When she goes back, she then gets a call while she's chatting with him. Right. Let's say that call takes place at about 1.30 a.m., 2 a.m. Yeah. And she takes four hours to get there. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. It was high noon. She takes eight hours to get back there. Well, it seemed like the sun was rising as she was driving in. And, and then when the she got there, up. the sun, I mean, how fast is a rise in Tulsa? Yeah. Is there, <laughs> Very is, fast. Yeah, is it like, a, I mean, I don't know. Sunrise is usually around 3 a.m., I think, in Tulsa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like- Little known weird fact. It's kind of like uh, Anchorage or something. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's why they're all going crazy. Did you notice that? I I did. 
I don't like but, to complain about stuff like that because it worked. It worked. Whatever it was, it worked. But it is possible. I mean, he was watching. We, we see Judd is watching TV with his wife before he goes out. And they're watching the primetime show. And that could come on at 10 o'clock central time. You ever heard of DVR? That's when you watch your best primetime shows, I think. Yeah, DVR too. So yeah. you know. <laughs> uh, or you could be DVRing after a party. That that makes a lot of sense as well. Yeah, But he could have been watching it a little bit later. And then he gets a call like, hey, um, go check out this guy. He just woke up in the hospital. Yeah, and he could have rolled in there around um, two or three, and then take an hour, hour or two for her to process at her place, and then drive back. Eh, we could fudge it. They, I'm sure they just wanted different lighting for that scene to play out. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean that's fine. We yeah. don't we don't need to go into it. I just kind of was wondering. I do want to talk about one of one of the first bonkers things we see in this episode, mm-hmm. which is when she's having she's having a chat with Looking Glass in the car. And Looking Glass is is a fascinating character. Yeah. He's a little bit of a dick. He's he's saying, "Hey, do you have any anything to eat?" And he's munching nuts. Very Rorschach yeah, in, yeah. in um, Night Owl's house, eating a can of beans. He just wants some sugar cubes. He wants something to munch on, right? Yeah. And he's sitting there, like talking shit with her. He says, "Like, oh, your kids? Yeah. About the the three kids she has now. Yeah. And we now know about those kids, right? But during that conversation, crash on the hood." Is a winged paparazzi looking like Mothman yeah. from the Minutemen as well? One of the uh, guys who I think he ended up committing suicide, if I'm correct on that particular character. Didn't they call him Mothman as well in the show? Yeah, I'm a fucking Mothman. Oh, is it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So his legacy has kind of uh, turned to paparazzi characters. Yeah, it works. It was so funny and weird. It, it was cool. Yeah, it, that, that it was wasn't a great just scene. yeah, and just showing that it wasn't even just one of them. It's like a, a, a tribe of them that all wear this like little hover suit thing. Yeah, it's we're in a whole different world here. Yeah, it's a fungible product now. Yeah, everybody has a personal flying machine. Right. Yeah, it's cool. The future, man. Yeah, yeah, no. And, and if, if only we just had Nixon for a few more years. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that was a <laughs> yeah. If only uh, that was a pretty sweet scene though, especially when he says something like. Well then, why am I crying right now? Right. Oh, that hurt. He he he's he's got that rocky exterior. Yeah, but he's got a heart. That weird ass looking glass. Yeah, the guy who never wants to take off his mask either because he yeah. feels it's his skin. Yeah, we see a lot of that actually. Um, this duality of of character of, um, you aren't your true self until you put on your costume. Uh, I I, I was struck most notably about that. By the scene when we have Sister Knight, well, we have Angela interrogating Will, Louis Gossett Jr. in her her bat cave, for lack of a better term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and when she's interrogating him, you, you see she's upset, and she asks him a couple questions, and then she just like storms off, does her double keypad to go through her her two doors, so she's soundproof, and then she just starts hitting stuff. And then after she kind of gets a little bit of her emotional outburst out of her, um, she goes and puts on her costume, which is uh, sort of her armor. Like not mm-hmm. only like not only her like emotional armor, but it's like her changing identity. She's now a person who can operate in a, in a manner that she doesn't need to have this. She doesn't need to hold on to those emotions. Yeah. I mean, you know, don't dress for the job you have. Dress for the job you want. Right. So, you know, I mean, <laughs> she's really always looking for that next step up. No, I agree. That was really interesting to, and I, well, I mean, I thought that, okay, it's also because she wants to go out and she knows she's going to have to go kick ass afterwards. Mm-hmm. So I need a moment to collect myself and also let's just change because now we got to get down to business. 
Yeah. I mean, you're, you're right completely, but I just, yeah. Right. It's an armor still, though. Did you know she was doing that with the coffee? You thought she was just being a gracious host? Uh, I thought it was clever. That little add-on that she was going to get his saliva from the coffee. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, real quick, though. So I really love that one line. Uh, he says, why am I crying right now? Mm-hmm. Second favorite line in the show, of the episode. <gasps> favorite was, we probably the same one. What? What kind of, ba- what kind of bakery is this? Oh, <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> no sugar. What kind of bakery is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was great. And you, you must assume at this point that he knows full well his relationship to her, that she's actually secretly his granddaughter, right? I'd assume so. He's he's operating based off this principle. He says something to the effect of like, "I knew your father." Yeah, uh, on the phone when he he mysteriously called her pre- in the last episode. Mm-hmm. So he knows this and. I, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I really want once we found out about this, that, oh, the, the big reveal, they left us with a question of who's the other person that he's related to that they know about. Maybe it's just the father. But also, he goes to, um, she has to, she says, I'm going to arrest you. Mm-hmm. And she takes him out to the car. Mm-hmm. And in order to pick him up because he's in a wheelchair, she has to like wrap her arms around him. That was nice. And it becomes a hug moment. Yeah. And I was like, what, what a great way to get that real deep emotional like connection that she's obviously fighting. Yeah. Because this, this goes back to her putting on that armor, right? Mm -hmm. She, she puts on this costume to suppress her feelings about certain situations. And similarly, uh, we see that, like, when she's lying in the hospital bed after the white night, the mm-hmm. uh, attack that got her shot in her own home, um, we see Chief Judd being like, you can cry if you want to. You yeah. just lost your partner. And she's like, maybe later. It, yeah. it seems like she's constantly just trying to suppress a lot of emotion, and she's channeling it into a rage. Yeah. She, she beat the fuck out of that one dude uh, in the Nixonville uh, trailer park. Yeah. I mean, she's somebody who takes as a point of pride to control her emotions and take care of business. You know, I mean, we see even her husband asks her something like, are we are we going to be safe? Right. Right. So even in her own home, she's constantly thinking about her family's safety, whereas a lot of us are thinking like, you know, let's throw some food in the microwave or something. And, you know, yeah, let's get uh, some peas. <laughs> let's get some peas and fettuccine or tortellini in the. Uh, why are you looking at me? <laughs> why, why are you saying my favorite meal right there? <laughs> Let's get some chicken strips and peas in the microwave right now. It's so good. Yeah. You, you got to try it. <laughs> That's one word for it. No, I think that uh, – and hey, speaking of that that trailer park scene, I mean, again, it was really strange for me. It was this visceral thing where I kind of thought, oh, yeah, they got to go do this. And then w- like a half second later, I'm just disgusted with myself. Like, what kind of due process is this? Because you fell into the trap of like, they're just like recklessly. Yeah, they're recklessly attacking people. Yeah, absolutely. They're attacking poor people who who they're profiling. Maybe a lot of them are actually the 7th Cavalry, but. But still ellipses. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so we just see that more and more. And obviously, what do we have? I mean, how many more episodes? What is this? Nine? Is this a nine episode? I think it's nine episodes. Yeah. So, so we, we have got seven, seven more, more and it's going to keep just getting ramped up to a place where, I mean, we might flip sides on this. You know, I mean, I would say still now we've, we have a situation where we might have a chief of police who was in the KKK, right? Mm. Or something, right? Yeah. I mean, and we have a, we have a police force, which it uses extrajudicial violence like regularly. Yeah. It's a normal 
routine day for them. There are bad people on both sides. Yeah, precisely. And, so and, and who point, are we rooting for? That's the thing, which makes it so interesting. We're rooting for Regina King. I'm rooting for the little girl with the staples or whatever those were making a sweet castle, a floating castle. What kind of castle? Um, No, that not, not girl. Boy? Is that a boy? T- Topher with a oh, long a hair? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, sorry. That's Topher, who was the son, the son. of her, her old partner who died. Right. So she ended up adopting that kid. And, so Topher's a boy. Okay, sorry. Just, just a long hair. Sorry, Topher. It's a kid. Um, anyway, Topher was making this castle that's floating magnetically, which looks fucking awesome. But yeah. also, um, uh, it's a castle that that Ozymandias is living in right now. Yeah. What, like this castle seems to be taking like popping up in every single episode. You see, you see that Doctor Manhattan was making a statue to it. Yeah. Now you see this kid is making. This castle, it's got this little turret thing. In it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it looked and a lot like it. I think at least next episode we're going to see like a mashed potato mountain, little <laughs> close encounters. Well, throwback. it made me wonder if there might be some sort of psychic link going on between that kid and Dr. Manhattan, or if there's something else going on in the air that everyone is like, there, there are certain key people that mm-hmm. might be. Um, affected by some other machinations going on by Ozymandias. Well, remember in the While comic he's putting book, putting on his fucked up place. I mean, as people know in the comic book, certain people who were more sensitive than others mm. might have, you know, nightmares and dreams, and I don't know, yeah, uh, yeah. about about the, the the event in New York City in what 1986 or something when the squid exploded. Yeah, uh, in the original Watchmen comics, that um, was the ultimate big uh, cataclysmic event. I think they call it the the DIE the dimensional i don't even remember what the acronym mm-hmm. is supposed to be but yeah it was uh, a <laughs> it's, it's so fucking bonkers to ever have to explain this but it's like ozymandias genetically mutated a, a squid alien being that also has a psychic brain from a kid that they cross bred into it and then exploded in new york city so it let off a psychic blast that affected everyone on the planet that was pithy you did a good job and we now have raining squids. Yeah. And we now actually, and we see a throwback to that whenever he pulled the tomato off the tree. Like there's more genetic. To, he's mutation. still, he's still kind of fooling around. Yeah. yeah. This so, guy can't keep his finger out of the pie. <laughs> so you think he's, he's genetically making um, tree tomatoes out there? Yeah. It's kind of funny that, you know, in the comic book, he does this sweet tiger cat dog thing. And then he does this giant vagina shaped octopus that explodes <laughs> and now he just thinks accurate <laughs> you know i'm gonna actually do the hardest thing i'm gonna do i'm gonna dedicate my life to putting tomatoes on trees <laughs> when probably some simple grafting work would do <laughs> that's the dream yeah, <laughs> to yeah. Just hey, why was there. his can why do you have two candles on the cake today because it's the second anniversary of his death okay that's the other i, I mentioned but earlier it wasn't a year later i mentioned earlier that we were seeing things out of order in time Oh. He's been missing for seven years. So I think in last episode, when we saw the one candle, that was the first year anniversary of him going into hiding. Okay. So we actually jumped from 2019 back to uh, 2013, I guess, for him. Okay. And then in this scene, we were back in 2014 for his second anniversary, where uh. he's now putting on the pl- the same play with his robots or whatever they are. They're, they must be robots because they're emotionally dead clones that glitch a little why are you looking why why are you looking at me a little too closely emotionally dead (laughs) like someone i know yeah um but yeah it feels like 
he must be taking these robots and okay here here's another thing he um is he is he like really insecure and in love with Dr. Manhattan? <laughs> is that like what your take is with I mean, what's going on here? Let me tell you something. I'm not a theater buff, but that's not a good play. <laughs> <laughs> the smartest man in the world, lousy uh, playwright. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, Michael Jordan's not the best owner. You know, I mean, Charlotte's not doing that well right now, so maybe it's pretty similar. Mm. I mean, John Elway doesn't make good drafting decisions for the Denver Broncos. Elon, sorry, sorry out there. Elon Musk is a fucking idiot on social media. Is he? I don't know. I don't. Yeah, as you know, I now I don't even have a phone. So oh, like, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what's going on with him. But that is interesting. That so maybe now. Do you think that we will see? I mean, obviously, I guess probably so. We will see like episode three, four, five, six. It's going to build towards something. Like when do you think he's going to come into the, into play more? Uh, I, I yeah, I'd imagine it's going to be a couple episodes from now. Because right now it's just kind of more of a curiosity than anything else that matters to the story. But while we're on the topic of him, uh-huh. I, I do think like, is it is it too early for me to say my cubes moment? Is it ever too early for a cubes moment? I, I think I'm going to go to my cubes moment. My cubes moment for this episode and for anyone who's new watching this, the cubes award goes to anything that was just one of our favorite moments from the episode. Could be a character. It could be a place, a scene, an action, a look. A Good feeling. Be a feeling. I mean, really, it comes from sugar cubes in the comic book. And if you've read the comic book, even glanced at it, you will notice the green sugar cubes that made such an impression on this sweet soul. Yeah. And how, how crucial they are. Anyway, my cubes moment. Yeah. Blue dick. Okay. <laughs> the blue dick of yeah. Tom, Tom Meissen or his body double. I'm not sure since uh, they could have yeah. done a Cersei thing where he's got a body double. That could have just been his legit. You know, sometimes a hairless think, blue dick. <laughs> I want to say this. I think it's funny. You know. 10 years ago, if you like rubbed uh, Aladdin's lamp or something and you said, I just want to see or I want to hear, I don't even need to see it. I want to hear five seconds of my life in 10 years to kind of see where it's going. <laughs> and and so you get that and you waste one of your three wishes on that. And all of a sudden, you, you know, you lean in close to like, you know, you can like hear the ocean in a seashell. You lean in close to Aladdin's lamp and it says, my cubes moment is a blue dick. <laughs> God. Would you think your life's a success? I've read a. I read a tweet today that was someone effectively saying, like, um, uh, it said, like, the waiter says, uh, enjoy your meal. And then it says, me, you too. And then yeah, and then yeah, God yeah. goes, oh, wait, we got to replay this moment of your life over and over again. Exactly. And I'm like, that's what you're doing to me right here. Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> Did I just do a me too, one of those embarrassing things? No, that was your cubes moment. That it was a cubes moment. That, that touched you in a certain way. I, I thought the... Blue Dick was such a notable aspect of the comic that gets talked about a lot, and they they didn't avoid it. They didn't shy from it. In fact, they they pan up yeah. just to the dick, and linger you, on in a second. Did you think you were going to get a loincloth? <laughs> uh, no. I think I mean, it's freeing, though, because, I mean, you know, we can see breasts. I mean, it's 2019, mm. right? It's supposed to be equality, equal pay and all that, and yet we can see breasts, but we can't see a blue penis. I'm okay with it. The, yeah. the last blue penis I saw was on American Gods, I think. I think uh, the blue genie had, like, he had a, a baby arm there hanging off of him. It was a weird scene. I don't know if you saw that show. I'm guessing not. <laughs> uh, I'm just mouthgaping right now because <laughs> I didn't know we were going to be talking about blue dicks this long. Moving on. Let's talk about, let's talk about the robots. Let's talk about my cubes moment. Okay. Let's, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
let's go into your cubes. My cubes moment was was just the idea that we still have the newspaper vendor. <gasps> you know, we do with this world of social media. Less and less people are reading the news, the actual paper. <laughs> it's a real dying job, right? Yeah, it's a dinosaur. Um, it was so cool that we actually have the newspaper vendor, and it was kind of a fast talking guy, and there was it was kind of this. Play, this place of social milieu, you know, where people are kind of coming and going and talking to each other and interacting that we don't really get anymore these days unless you're just blasting somebody anonymously on Twitter as a troll. You know, so I thought it was cool that, you know, that was such a focal point in uh, the comic book. And, you know, it didn't really add anything to the story so much this week, but I just thought it was cool. I liked it. Yeah, we, we see that he also is a little bit of a, a conspiracy nut. Yeah. Um, he's kind of talking about um, the keen actor or he's talking about joe keen the senator keen right who we end up seeing later at the um, memorial service um played Ooh. by uh james walk i want to say his actress kind of a actor. gavin newsom type california listeners or viewers will know what i'm talking about i don't know he just looked a little bit too slick for my liking but he's he's like the like ultra conservative i think he's the son of the original keen who did the keen act yeah and the comic the keen act for any of you guys who are un, unindoctrinated um, is the act that outlawed costume superheroes. No one could wear a mask anymore and be a superhero. And now his son is highly regarded. He was the one being talked about on the radio when Judd was driving to his death. At yeah. the end of last episode, he's listening to conservative talk radio. And they're talking about, yeah, um, this guy. And they're like, I think he's going to be great. He's going to give Robert Redford a run for his money. And we see that he's actually kind of tight with Judd's family. So maybe Judd Crawford is in cahoots with the 7th Cavalry. Yeah. Or maybe he's listening to conservative talk radio for them talking about the the boss of uh, that his wife used to work for. Yeah. So maybe it's just like, we're actually kind of family friends. Yeah. I, it, it, Those are just his presets on the radio. Not everyone agrees politically with everyone in their family. So... Oh, really? You can still kind of maintain those relationships a, a bit. You can? Uh, you got to try. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we only got one life to live. So, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I don't know. I think definitely we'll see that guy come into play more. He could kind of be the 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 hand behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Could kind of be like a, uh, uh, God, what's the show? I, this this happened during the bar exam. The really good show with Matthew McConaughey. They're it's detectives. Oh, yes, true detective. Fam- yeah, kind of could kind of be like that. Like that's the money and the power behind the scenes, kind of running uh, things. Yeah. I don't know. Well, jumping back to the news vendor, mm-hmm. before I jump back to Ozymandias, mm-hmm. it's kind of flashback, flashback. There. Yeah, yeah. Um, the we see a young lady come up and buy a newspaper, and she's buying it for her boss. And I think it is the, um, I think it's going to be the Asian lady, Lady Trio. I think it's going to be her name. In the upcoming episodes, there's like these screenshots of her wearing this white outfit and she's got like what looks like Spock ears or something going on. Nice. I wasn't sure really what was going on here. But in doing some research in the backstory, uh-huh. I think she is the lady who her business, the Trio Foundation or Trio Industries, bought Ozymandias's Vate Corporation. Wow. Okay. So she owns that. And we see this little brief snippet. Of this lady come buy a whole bunch, a whole stack of different newspapers. Yeah. And the news vendor's like, does she really read all those? And she's like, yeah, don't you? Mm-hmm. Which really reminds me of Ozymandias sitting in front of all the TVs. It's just these, these geniuses who are able to absorb a bunch of information really rapidly. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think so they're setting it up as this, this new 
um, Titan air. of industry. Yeah, this of. new air kind of Titan of industry. So small little scene though. Doing no research. Do you know who she reminded me of? I mean, if you're just looking, you know, like let's say you're looking at something over here, TV's over here, right? Okay. The glasses, leftovers, season two. What was her name? Ellie? No. What's the daughter's name? Oh, and she ends up joining the. Uh, she ends up joining the cult. Yeah. Same glasses. Was it? Kind of looks similar, man. Okay. I, I I hadn't really noticed that. Really? I, I hadn't put it together, but that's fascinating. I mean, I had to kind of do a double take to see if it was the same actress. Hmm. I, I don't know. I could be wrong. I. Well, let's let's go on. What else do you want to discuss? I just kind of want to talk to you about kind of other snippets you found that reminded you of the comic book. Obviously, we have the alley with the spray painted people kind of holding each other when she's pulling her car out. Oh, really? Was it? Yeah. I totally missed that. Oh, yeah. It was pretty sweet. It was right, be- it was right before the news newsstand scene. Ah. So that was pretty sweet. Kind of a probably nice looking down and back. taking notes or something. Yeah. Was, so that was a nice one. Um, I'm trying to think of other. Oh, whenever you saw the goggles that she put on, the right. night glass, the night goggles. So this, I I put out some theories when earlier you said, this when you week. Say put out. What does that mean? I released some episodes uh-huh. earlier where I was I was theorizing about who Jud Jud Crawford might be. Maybe he's Night Owl. Why does he have the owl ship? Yeah, but it, it was posited to me by someone. Was it you, Mike? Maybe you. Uh, maybe you made reference to this. To what? I don't know what you're going to say. That that um he's not. That he didn't. Shit! What was I trying to say? That the reason that he has the owl ship was that they likely confiscated it. Oh right, yeah. That the police confiscated, uh, because now we know um, there's this whole other layer. Did, of, did you go too far down a Reddit rabbit I'm hole? I'm going through it. I'm going. I'm. I'm fucking my my brain's blitzing. You don't have to, to read every this. post. It's okay. Okay. There's this. There's this thing called Pedipedia. Which is supplemental information that the show is putting out on HBO.com slash Pedipedia. It's very similar to the end supplemental material at the end of every comic of The Watchmen, or where it'd be like articles, news clippings, um, interviews, kind of stuff like that. But it's a collection of these different files put up by this agent, uh, Agent Petey is his name. And one of these files, he goes, he makes a, a reference to how. Night Owl is actually, uh, Dan Dryberg is actually in federal custody right now. So he answers what's, what's happened to that character. And Agent Blake, Agent Lori Blake, uh, formerly Agent Lori Giuseppic, is also in their employ. So at some point, they arrested him. And it is possible that he also maybe crashed into Tulsa with his owl ship and owl goggles and all that, got arrested. They confiscated it, and now the police are these yokels who don't know how to use this ship, and they're just trying to fly it around loosely, taking around, <laughs> taking out Seventh Cavalry. They don't know what technology they're fucking with. I mean, can you imagine just our local PD having the Batmobile and being like, "Oh fuck, let's go take down some people with this." Let's yeah, but they wouldn't use it because you can't get through the Dairy Queen drive-through with that long of a vehicle. <laughs> like the turning radius isn't that good. It's awful for so it. So yeah. the the local police department wouldn't have it. Just just kidding, we support our police or whatever blue line. Uh <laughs> so let me tell you something. If Lori sold out Dan. Right. Do you know how, how livid I'll be? 
Uh, I mean, very? Very is the answer. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Can you imagine? I really hope that didn't happen. I hope she was not playing both sides. Man, it's Jean Smart. Yeah. She can do whatever she wants. Get smart. I'm sure if, if she gives us a reason, I'll be like, yeah, fuck Dan, that dumb idiot. <laughs> no? I don't know why you have to do are that. You, are you fully in Dan camp? I'm not. Yeah, actually, I am. I don't know why you wouldn't be. I don't know. He was, he, the, most, he was the most likable. He was the only fully likable human being in the entire comic book. The only one who you really couldn't find a problem with. I He saw injustice and he just wanted to put on his sweater vest and, and diddle around on his owl ship down, downstairs. He wasn't a self-actualized man, out. but you've got holes in your jeans right now. Neither are you. you you've got... I'm wearing a I'm wearing a partial Halloween costume. Yeah, you've it's got Halloween kind of, you've got this season. like 1990s grunge thing, man. You're like from Seattle. I like it. I was dressed as Garth from Wayne. Wayne yeah, Wall. okay. I took off the the hair, but this is kind of what's going so on. So for all the viewers, listeners, I don't I don't know if they know, but you usually do Halloween up pretty well. Oh, you're well, a Halloween guy. I I try some years. Not this you, year. Oh, not this year. So you don't you don't have anything in the in phoning in the it in really. This year. Yeah. Damn. I don't know. I I mean, I wanted to be better. When I was when I was living in California and in other places alone, sad, you know, isolated from from the rest of humanity. I right. always like to check Facebook when I had it and see every Halloween what you and the family were doing. Kind of warm my heart. <laughs> it it kind of reinforced how sad I was. Oh. So at least now we're we're Thanks. sad together. Yeah. Oh, we got the off, top, off topic. Okay, so, so time so to get back into this. What 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 other moments did you see any kind of throwbacks to the comic book? There is something important I definitely want to talk about. Yep. And it is the scene that we got from American Hero Story. Oh, yeah. We see the, the backstory of Hooded Justice. And then we see a crime scene go down where we see this this robbery of a grocery store. Like, you can't get that much fucking money from a grocery store. What did that action scene remind you of? Yes. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't the whole thing? That ridiculous over-the-top action scene it was a giant fuck you to Zack snyder and i can't believe they did it yeah (laughs) they have him bust through a window and then just brutally start like beating up people which i guess is true to character of the backstory of hooded justice like he was known to be very violent like unnecessarily violent with people but he's just jamming the head until it's bleeding beating these people to a pulp and it's it's fucking savage he stabs that one is guy it, like though? 18 times is it savage when right before that they had a gun to a woman's head am i insane here or should those people learn a lesson <laughs> like like a slap on the wrist is not going to cut it i'm talking about tonally mm-hmm. how this fits within the rest of the show oh yeah yeah sure, sure it's sure. a whole other beast we're, Wait, we're not and what about that warning at the beginning? Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty wild. We also get, yeah, we get this FCC warning that is, um, it is a Republican's nightmare it's of the, how the liberals are yeah, going to, I mean, uh, just like give this, extreme this was warnings. This the future liberals wanted. Put the, put the Christ back in Christmas. <laughs> the, the warning is like, it's like 20 minutes of, of just a laundry list of all the things you're going to see. It's like a cigarette package or something. It was yeah. really hilarious. Yeah, no, um, that was pretty awesome. I liked the scene. It was cool to kind of see. I mean, even just, I, I think he does such a good job at kind of changing, you know, colors and framing and, and just the pacing and everything like that. It works. I mean, you know, this this whole show started with the beginning of episode one, like the old sepia tea stain kind of old film from the 1920s. Right. And now this was kind of done in a similar way, right? It just kind of fit that that time. 
it made sense. It was Added cool. graininess. Yeah. yeah, it was yeah, cool. Quality to it. Yeah, yeah. I loved it. And I, and I hope we kind of get get like more tidbits like that throughout. It's kind of fun. We get to see a little bit more of Red Scare. Not a whole lot. Mm-hmm. But what do you make of this character? He's a real one. <laughs> that like, guy calls him a Nazi. I'm not a Nazi. <laughs> I'm a socialist. I'm a communist. Or a communist. I'm a communist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's a real one. Like what you see is what you get. And when you know when he's standing on top of a car doing the countdown, you know, he's just kind of waiting to get down to one. Like he's doing a countdown. Like, like with your kids, you do a countdown. You're like. Please don't let me get to zero. Like right. you're like, I don't I do not want to get to zero. <laughs> like they're like either they don't want to be an enforcer. Either A, they're gonna call me out, or B, I'm gonna have to go to a place I don't want to go. I just I just wanna like keep the energy, keep the calories, you know. I don't want to spend this energy. For him, he's like, damn, do I really why did I start at 10? I should have started at two. <laughs> but wasn't the threat that he was gonna tear down the Nixon, the Nixon idol? Yeah. But they just made the decision just to beat the shit out of everybody. Nah, instead. let's beat some people. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we can a, easily find this neighborhood because of the Nixon. So let's leave that up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's like their that's like their Statue of Liberty. Yeah. Yeah. Every time you put up a Nixon, they they kind of congregate. Uh yeah. I, I was just kind <laughs> of uh I, I was pretty amused by the character. I, I like the actor. Well, and it's it, it, it what's so great about him is everything fits. Like his uh his is what's it called, balaclava or whatever, is always kind of pulled to the side. Like <laughs> yeah. he doesn't even put it on like the right way. It's it's great. It it also just reminded me of um, the the speech that Hooded Justice gives in that that story is like, um, it's way over the top, but he's like, my mask. Why do I wear my mask? Because I don't know who I really am. But he's also talking about like channeling all of his his anger into the mask. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of what we see are a lot of really angry people who probably just need anger management counseling, and instead they put on a mask, and you see, um. Sister Knight savagely beat that dude. She's just like pounding her fists over and over when he's clearly subdued at this point. But she's got she's got rage that she needs to channel into something. And rather than cry when yeah. Judd's at her bedside about her lost partner, she she needs to uh, channel her emotions into her fist punching people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it works. It works with her character. Right. right? So speaking of people you you know or we don't know or whatever you said who lifted up that car which archie mobile lifted up the car and who was it see will aka will reeves which is interesting because you remember that um character from the, the south park episode christopher reeves where he eats um babies yeah the one yeah, who's eating babies eats babies and gets stronger um, no, but Bass Reeves is the character, the sheriff that he's watching in that movie in, right. in 1921. Right. And then when he gets separated from his family, maybe he only remembers his first name and he takes on the last name Reeves. I don't think that's addressed here in this episode, so I shouldn't go on too much of a tangent there. But is this PD material? He does also in the beginning pick up another little kid. So maybe he has that other individual as a partner in crime. There's something also very, like, mega Night Owl about it. It was like, oh, is that Archie, the Night Owl ship? Yeah. But it's massive. Archie is was not it? very big. It was pretty big. I mean, the size of the magnet was bigger than this table we're talking at. It was like, it was almost as big as the yeah. car itself. That yeah, it yeah, 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 no, onto. yeah. Yeah, it was a dump truck. And that was just a, a tiny little Oculus in the, the whole, like, circumference of that, that vehicle up there. Huh. That ship. So really big. He has some watchful protector over him. Kind of interesting. 
Right. When someone picks up a vehicle, don't expect it to go straight up. She almost got she almost got killed. Yeah, it, it dragged the car, and I was no. like, she could have gotten knocked right there. No, I mean, like whenever that happened, I w- almost turned to Diana, and I was like, learning moment. You know, right. if you're next to a vehicle and that happens, get away. It's not <laughs> lifting straight up. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> if you're in this exact situation, run. If a magnet, yeah, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of. If things you're near, going on if you're there. near, okay, if you're near a T-Rex, right, don't right. move. If you're near a vehicle that's about to be picked up, move. You're learning a lot of lessons from movies that are yeah very scientifically accurate. Yeah, yeah, yeah so. exactly. That's how I live my life. <laughs> yeah. The musical score, mm-hmm. uh, we talked a little bit about it last week, but I completely forgot that this is composed by Trent Reznor and Atticus Finch. Holy smokes. Yeah, they're doing the music on this, and it's pretty badass, and I totally so, uh, recognize I, I, it here. I don't know who Atticus Finch is, other than-, other it, than it was just, he book. was also in uh, Nine Inch Nails with him, I think. Oh, okay. So, okay. Yeah. Um, What'd you think about it? I really enjoyed it. In fact, I thought the kind of like intensity that was building mm-hmm. when she's beating the guy at in Nixonville, mm-hmm. Sister Knight's beating that dude. Yeah. Um, it like really had me on the edge. I was like, fuck, this is really intense. Yeah. She's beating the hell out of that guy. And I think that the music's just really lending to this show and building the atmosphere of the world. I think it knows how to um, lean into tension, lean into um, energy. Yeah. And the show, like last week I was talking about, there's kind of this, this kind of progressive eighties yeah. tempo going on when, when she was like researching stuff. I was like, yeah. I'm feeling that more of that kind of music. Please. It's kind of like, yeah, it's like you see the snowball and you're just picking up steam. You're like, okay, let's go with that for a little bit. And then when it doesn't work, it'll switch over to the next one. Yeah, it really works. So what parts of the show, I know you talked about one moment where you thought it was a little bit slow. Was there anything pacing wise that didn't work for you? Uh, I mean, it, it was mainly that they set up a lot of questions and then they were spinning through some other little elements. Like she goes back to the house um, to talk to the kids. All the while, I know that Will is still hanging out <laughs> in her um, in her Hanoi and milk yeah. or whatever place. Yeah, and so that just kind of made me a little anxious. I'm like, I, that's like the bigger lingering question, and that's just being put on the back burner. But I do, I did like, I like everything I'm seeing with her husband. Okay, um, and Cal, Cal, and I like that he's a stay at home dad. Would you? He does seem like a stay-at-home dad. Would, I'm not sure. Yeah, he has I was gonna job, say okay, but I'm like right on stay-at-home dads because me too. Yeah, there you go. I get it. That's I a weird. Like that's a weird fist you just did at the Olympics on the Olympic podium. You know, <laughs> black power, but whatever. So, no. So uh, misinterpreted. Oh, okay. Sorry. So, what did you think? So, would you say I guess that their relationship because they have a strong relationship. They do. And I I like that they kind of go back to that. Like they they seem to have these these conversations between them that that seem healthy. They they do these checks on each other. How do they do that with kids? Right. My God. Yeah. So I I don't even know how to manage. Yeah. So uh, let me ask you this. Best TV relationship ever. I mean, there's only one right answer. It's Mr. and Mrs. Coach from exactly. Friday Night Lights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> okay. Cool. I'm like, have we already had this conversation? Because I feel like we already we, we always had this conversation have this... a lot in real life. Yeah, I don't know about on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. okay. But so, we know. 
really, yeah, I mean, good. He's a good character. I'm, I'm curious to see, is he just a state? I mean, not like just not like being a homemaker is just a homemaker. Excuse, I do not want to get any angry DMs. But do you think he has like a secret identity or anything? Is there something deeper about him, too? Or is he just kind of a normal dude? And I don't care. I, I kind of think he might just be a normal dude. He might just be a normal, supportive I, partner. I hope he's a normal dude. Because right. you don't, that'd be kind of refreshing, I think. Yeah. So why do they have a circular flag outside? I saw it in first episode. We see it again in the second episode. That's the current modern flag. They had it they is? annexed a bunch of more states like Vietnam and well, then additional ones. Oh, wait, wait, wait. What, what additional ones? I don't know, but I think they have more stars than just 51. Okay. I could be wrong. But why Why did in in Judd, Jed, whatever his name is, in his office, I could have sworn there was like the regular Stars and Stripes from episode one. He I mean, I, just has a, uh, the old classic. He's a traditionalist? It's how, how traditional is he? Is he like a white robe, white hood kind of well, traditionalist? Think about this. Maybe there is a little bit of signaling with having the older flag before. Because like if we see a flag with like 13 stars on it or... Um, one one of the earlier flags, old from, Betsy. Yeah, wouldn't like, aren't we even seeing now in the news? Like Colin Kaepernick was like, "Hey, pull that old Betsy Ross flag off of your Nikes." That's not cool. And then it kind of blew up into this whole thing where people are freaking out about the Nike shoes. But mm-hmm. he was like, "I don't want to. I don't want to see an older flag that's reminding me of the older generation where racism was even less addressed than it is now." Mm-hmm. And Maybe that's a little bit of signaling that he was still holding on to this older flag and he has KKK robes hidden behind the secret compartment of his closet. Just like the comedian. He has a secret compartment just like the comedian. That uh, that, that whole sequence just reminded me also of the, the first issue of Watchmen. Flag facts. I got two flag facts for you. Bring them. Give me the one flag in the United States to my knowledge that is not a rectangle, but it is a pennant. What Fla- state? Flag facts. No. Flag facts. This is a flag quiz. Oh, that's flag. not a flag. Sorry, sorry. Just a second. Just a second. It's a switch. Just a second. Bait switch. Flag pop quiz. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's wait, a pin, it's, it's a U.S. state. U.S. state pennant shaped. It's not a rectangle. I, to my knowledge, it's the only one. I what are you wrong. two talking about? Don't oh, let nothing. Mike. Don't. <laughs> oh, okay. He's doing squirrels. But was, don't let him give me the answer. This is all you. Oh man. Doesn't know. Are we too off topic here? You make me hear the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have headphones. I don't so have headphones. So he didn't even know that you're playing the whole intro honestly, audio. Honestly, the flag quiz would be over if you didn't answer. Arizona? No, I said it starts with an O for crying out loud. Oklahoma. Ohio. Fuck. What was the first state flag of what Texas? What are you two talking about? Oh, nothing. I have to pull my Just headphones off. World. What was the question? First All right, come to that one. <laughs> Producer Mike. Honestly, flag facts would be over if you would just answer. What was the first second? flag of Texas? What colors? Uh... Red, white, and blue. Blue and yellow, the burn-up flag. Blue with one yellow star. Pretty sweet flag. Okay, moving on. I agree. I, I totally did not know that. Um, I feel better now for having been educated on some flight so, packs. W- when do you think we will get Lori? I thought she Next was going to be- episode. Oh, really? Yeah. You didn't watch the preview. Yeah, I never do. You should watch the preview because yeah. she's going to be here next week. I'm afraid to. So I'm looking forward to that. Now, what do we think about- I know you've read stuff. I've been camping. I don't really read that much- Anyway, I don't mm-hmm. know how, but uh, criticism, are people liking it? Are people not liking it? I know you mentioned, Mike, that we had some good numbers on the show. Yeah, it's like the highest rated HBO show currently airing. Yeah, I like it. So I I think the buzz has been pretty positive. I think there was a couple 
bitchy critics when we did our episode talking about like the critical response. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that like I've seen two episodes, I'm like, the fuck were those guys talking about? Can they not hand? I feel like there's some critics who should not be TV critics. Mm-hmm. Like they can't handle even a little bit of complexity in a show. They need their narrative spoon fed to them. And I'm like, the fucking general audience is actually really is smart enough. Now we are all indoctrinated with the language of, of how narratives can play out in a variety of fashions Mm -hmm. to the extent that we can watch this show and we can ride with it and we can absorb it and we can take a second to actually think about something. There's so many other shows that like you're just binging through shit and you're not even you're not even appreciating the artistry that goes into each week of an episode. That's in a way I'm kind of not liking the binge model. There's part of me that like, sure, I just want to sit on the couch and I want to eat a fuck ton of popcorn and feel awful about myself. But sometimes I want to appreciate a filet mignon and that's what I'm getting here. Yeah, I completely agree. So are you saying that people who worked on the Big Bang Theory should not be allowed to be critics for other shows? <laughs> That's question one. Uh, they're welcome to because they're smart enough to bank off of that. that yeah, that, I mean, you're giving. I was saying you're giving the TV audience a little bit too much credit here. Question two: Are you somebody who actually makes popcorn at home, like in a bag, like you, like Mike? Oh, okay, popcorn? you're a bag guy. Yeah, I'm, I've I've done the other. You a stovetop guy? No. You well, can, like, Jiffy Pop? You mean? Yeah. No, I don't do a Jiffy Pop. Okay, number one movie when you think of Jiffy Pop. Number, I mean, there's one right answer. <laughs> There's one right answer. It's like, stand by me. Who else does Jiffy Pop? Mike? Mike, do you got an answer for this? Not participating in this. You don't do off-topic squids? Guys? What was the question? I was made attention. Jiffy, um, Jiffy Pop. Most memorable scene from a movie featuring Jiffy Pop. E.T.? <sighs> Fellas? No? Scream. <laughs> Drew Barrymore? First few minutes? Why? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's memorable. That's a good movie. Why did this happen? Uh, all right. Well, I feel like we're we're kind of heading to the end of this episode. I think we've addressed a lot of things. We've been pretty patchwork about how we've been talking about it, but I think that's fine. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was camping. So no, no, that's fine. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Character you like the most that you want to see on air and character on the screen, I guess, and character that you really, eh, we can move on from. Who am I loving the most? I mean, I, I want more of Sister Knight, but I definitely also want more of Looking Glass. I think he's he's very intriguing to me. Yeah. Um. Uh, It'd be cool to have an origin story. Who do I not want to see so much of? Who am I getting bored by? No one necessarily. Yeah. Yet. I agree. I think that's a good that's a good sign. That it's a good show. I mean, the Ozymandias stuff is almost crowbarred in. It's like a little bit jarring, but it's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he spends the right amount of time on Ozymandias. Yeah. Like two or three minutes too much, too you know, more, and it would be too much. But he's kind of like, okay, he's introducing it. We know that it's going to play a part later. Hopefully, eh, it works. Uh, Damon Lindelof over on his Instagram had a pretty fun post where he posted about the scene last week with Ozymandias and how people were like confused about how it was written and then uh, and how it translated on screen. And he posted like four pages of his script that you can read. It's really fascinating. A and um, how he refers to everything, like the blonde man. He had to call him Ozymandias. Oh, really? The, yeah, the, of course, right? The, the older blonde man or something like that. Um, but also, uh, just in his like little like side notes, stuff that's never going to be like actually said by an actor, 
but he's like, shit's getting fucking weird. <laughs> so it's like part of the notes of like what he'll put in the script. The marginalia. It's, yeah, it's it's really funny. Um, and so yeah, check out that post of his on Instagram. I think That's it's pretty a, cool. It's a good read. Speaking of Instagram, I mean, I think people do this. I would invite people to write you or whatever a comment. I don't know how they do it. I'd like to get other people's ideas on cubes. Do we have other cubes? Let let us know what your cubes moment is of the episode. Yeah, guys. Say, say that in a better way. Say yeah. that in a tech savvy way. Hey, hit us up on Instagram. Smash that like button. <laughs> subscribe to us, bros. And go ahead and let us know what your... your mic. I'm just going to mute your mic. <laughs> let us know what your cubes moment was from here. Let us know what your theories. Oh, you 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 totally dropped me out. Let us know your <laughs> theories uh, on this episode, and uh, we appreciate all the feedback we've gotten from you guys so far. It's uh, pretty exciting. If you guys want to help support us, you can always go to patreon.com slash who pods the watchman. It's an easy way to make a per episode donation or per month donation, like two bucks, five bucks a month, whatever. And uh, we try and put a little bit of extra material up on there as well. What's whatever? Ten bucks? Ten bucks is whatever. Five or whatever. Whatever is like a hundred. Yeah. You want to be an angel donor to us? Ooh. Yeah. I like that. Swole sauce. Where are you? <laughs> I subscribe to the YouTube channel, I think is the best thing that people can do right now. Yeah, go subscribe to our we have two YouTube channels. Um one is Who Pods Watchmen and the other one is Who Pods Breakdowns. So, is that are those kind of your deep cuts? Yeah, that's that's for the, the deep cut videos. That's kind of your the hipster take deep cuts. <laughs> it's experimental at this point. But, yeah. But okay. yeah, by all means, please go support us. Go take a second and hit subscribe. Cool. It, it helps us out. We are looking forward to next week's episode. We're going to be back here, as usual, 10 o'clock, discussing our, our crazy theories on things, just breaking things down for you. And we hope you guys will come join us and tune in. Until then, we'll keep watching. <laughs> you don't like it? You don't like the sign-off? I looked you deep in the eyes, and I kept looking you deeply in the eyes. So it is what it is. We'll keep watching, baby. We'll keep watching. Watchmen. Watchmen.